Okay, welcome to the very first episode of Romance Ever After, the podcast where Romance Landia gets to talk about romantic comedies. I am so lucky to have gotten the most talented, the most funny, the most patient, because this is our second time recording this, person, <laughs> the <laughs> Melissa Blue, to be my first guest. Um, for foolish people out there who, do, who don't know Melissa, she is an amazing author of some of the funniest, sexiest romances out there. One of my favorite facts about her is that she wrote her first contemporary romance on a typewriter. Um, you can frequently find Melissa on Twitter being hilarious or delivering epic Julia Sugarbaker level tweet threads that make <laughs> you think as well as laugh, which we need given the state of the world we are currently living in. She's recently released the seventh book in her Under the Kilt series, Charming Scottish Bastard. <laughs> Melissa, the most patient woman in the world. Welcome again. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back. No tornado <laughs> warnings today. No tornado <laughs> warnings. Uh, the sky is a little cloudy, but no rain due. We're supposed to be good. So here we go. Here we go. We're ready. <laughs> yes. And the audio is working. I can hear you. You can hear me. I mean, we're lined up. No Mercury is in, in retrograde today. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're going to do this. Okay. So since this is the first episode, um, I just want to share a little bit with everyone how this is going to work. Um, I'll give some facts and background around about the movie, and then we're going to break down the story and really examine where the romance of it all is. Um, but Melissa, first, I want to ask you, uh, you banter goddess, um, <laughs> I'm going to assume you enjoy romantic comedies, right? I do. I do. They are uh, one of my first loves as, as far as TV forms, media forms, because um, I really can't remember watching TV avidly, but movies, romantic comedies, I was in and all the way in. Yeah. I'm I'm totally the same. I remember watching all the old eighties rom coms any chance they came on like daytime TV or Saturday yes. afternoon matinee. Yeah. Yes, I miss those. I miss those. Like I all have streaming services, so they really don't have that. You kind of like just roll the dice on what what's playing, mm -hmm. uh, what you can watch. But yeah, yeah, it's not the same. No, it's not all. the same as stumbling on like some really random B movie that barely made its budget back at like three o'clock in the on Sunday afternoon and like yeah. just getting sucked in. It's not the same. It's, it's not, not. It's not. You have to get wrecked now on mm -hmm. like those gems. And that's kind of like why uh, I love following you on Twitter, because you have like the most random lovely. <laughs> Like, you know, uh, just canon of, oh, you know, this romance existed. Like the <laughs> one with, uh, who was it? Hugh Jackman, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm like, <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. I needed this all my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the movie that Melissa is referring to is Paperback Romance. Um, it's a super early or super late 90s or super early double odds movie where he plays a successful romance novelist who drives a truck around the Australian outback and in order to hide his identity he tells 
uh, he gives his publisher his best friend who he secretly is in love with. He gives her name as his nom de plume. And so his publisher comes looking for her and hijinks ensue. And it's it's the best. Um, it, it's definitely a nice, fun one to watch if you've never seen it. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I like really random movies and I have to drag everybody in with me because I need them to know about the random movies that like live in my head. Um, okay, so I appreciate it. <laughs> you are most welcome. Um, so you love romantic comedies um, and like romantic comedies, romance novels have tropes. What are some of your favorite tropes? And do you like certain tropes in books versus movies or do you like them all all over the same place? I would say I'm more drawn to enemies to lovers in books because I think because of the state of Hollywood, they tend to be a little too mean. Mm -hmm. Like they really, it's not banter. It's I'm going for your juggler in movies. Like they don't have the balance right with enemies mm -hmm. to lovers in movies. So I tend to stay away from it. Um, but everything else is kind of like, you know, uh, like I was uh, talking about way, way back about how Overboard is a mess. Like I will only ever watch that movie form. Like mm -hmm. I probably, I don't, I know I don't have the patience to, to read it. Like uh, you're going to have her with kids that she actually never gave birth to. She has amnesia. You're trying to do a golf course. Like I wouldn't have the patience to go for that kind of hijinks at all. Reading, I would throw your book. <laughs> <laughs> and throwing books is definitely the best way to deal with books. that are <laughs> though, kin though Kindles have like kind of putting put like a damper in that because you don't want to throw like a hundred dollar piece of technology into a wall so yeah. like you've got to like create like a pillow fort and then aim <laughs> it that that's what i do very like, vigorous I, delete button oh yeah yes yeah. yes that's usually what i do off my kindle <laughs> um yeah, okay. All right. No, I completely agree with you. Um, Overboard is one of those tricky ones, too. I ha still haven't watched the remake. I would never yet. watch the remake because it can't work without... Without, without uh, Kurt Russell and Kurt Goldie Russell. They, they, they somehow... They're, there's a reason why they're together. Yeah. Um, clearly, there's a reason why they're together all these years because they've got some sort of chemistry that sparkles in real life and on film. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't think I could ever watch anything different. Yeah, okay. can do it. All right, cool. All right, so enemies to lovers, but only in books. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's get into the movie. So a few fun facts. Um, let me first say, we're gonna be doing 2006, Last Holiday, starring Queen Latifah and LL Cool J. Um, a few fun facts to get started. The movie was written by the same guy who wrote Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Doc, uh, Doc Holliday, uh, not Holiday, Doc Hollywood, and Wild Wild West. So, ah, okay, because I know one of the producer, uh, Robert Zimex, he's mm -hmm. the one who did Back to the Future. Uh, he was also involved with Romancing the Stone mm -hmm. and uh, Forrest Gump. So, like, he's known to do, like, heavy hitters as far as emotions are concerned. Mm -hmm. So that's that's interesting. Um, 
if that if he was the producer and i wonder if he like has always had the screenplay because originally it was supposed to be a remake of the original 1950 last holiday but it was supposed to be starring john candy however he passed before they could actually produce the movie and so it just went onto a shelf until queen latifah's agent who was looking for a new vehicle for her after she had just done you know barbershop 2 and beauty shop and beauty shop was like the first time she was like really the leading lady and showing like a being a love interest um so they were looking for something for her and they took this off the shelf dusted it off and made it a little bit new um and we have the last holiday uh, the official log line for the movie is, upon learning of a terminal illness, a shy woman decides to sell off all her possessions and live it up at a posh Central European hotel. Okay, so <laughs> before we start this recap, um, I want to ask you one big question. Um, <laughs> I know we've debated about this a little bit. Um, we and I know how you felt about it. <laughs> the question is, do you think this is a romantic comedy? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and after several rewatches for myself, um, because I always firmly came down on the side that this was not a romantic comedy. Um, I believe there is a romantic comedy here. Queen Latifah just isn't in that romantic comedy. Um, and we'll get to why as we go through. All right, so the movie opens with uh, Georgia Bird, who is Queen Latifah's, Queen Latifah's character at choir practice. Um, and, you know, she's kind of meek and mild and, you know, they do a really good job of characterizing her in like the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, we see her choir practice, she's kind of quiet. Um, we see her at home where we see, you know, she has a passion for something, but she's afraid of even indulging in that passion. Um, she's, yeah. she's feeding her little neighbor and his grandfather who live right next door and the little neighbor who's a little 12 year old boy is clearly absolutely in love with her. Um, and I have to assume that's because she's feeding him so well all the time. Um, she's making these grand elaborate meals and she takes pictures of them and she puts them in her book of possibilities, which is essentially just like her own hard copy version of Pinterest. And in this book, she's got all kinds of pictures, um, including, you know, all the food she's cooked and all the places she wants to go. And then we see this like, paper doll-esque, like, ripped out of Bride's magazine with her face slapped on one woman's body and then Ella Cool J's massive cube, cue ball head <laughs> their tiny body. And like, they're smiling and like, she has multiple pictures of it. Um, and, you know, she's clearly embarrassed to say who this guy is, but the little 12 year old boy who's in love with her, is clearly jealous of this grown man because she's in love with him. So I, anyway, because he thought homeboy was going to get all his meals. That's that <laughs> She's not going to feed me anymore. You're right. You're right. I, yes, that was a problem. If he, if he was standing in the way of him getting those good home cooked meals. I could I could see how he's threatened. So this is this is Georgia's home life. She just lives by herself. She eats her lean cuisines instead of Ugh, elaborate yeah. meals she prepares. I've I really wonder I I've never seen this done before taking the lean cuisine 
out of the carton and putting it on a plate to heat it up? I had, I had questions about that too. <laughs> like, I know, like, you're supposed to keep it frozen. How does she even get them out? Yeah. It's like, my question intact. They're like hockey pucks. Like, how do you separate that? <laughs> I don't know. I, and imagine if she had one of those microwave brownies. You're not supposed to move that thing out of there. Because, no. one, as soon as it's a little bit hot, it's like lava on a plate. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I as we talked about yesterday, this movie just left me with a lot of questions. <laughs> but I'm going. Let's not lead to chaos today. Finish. finish no, we're gonna finish your recap. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna get through this. So this is really well of establishing what her home life is like. Then we see her at work, where we meet her sassy white friend, who, who Rochelle. Rochelle, who I am. We are definitely sure that Rochelle was supposed to be black because. She called, she embarrassed the fuck out of her um, <laughs> at one point in a way that only your black friend will do when you know that you have a crush on somebody. Um, and <laughs> there we see her interact for the first time with LL Cool J, um, whose character's name is Sean. And Sean works down in grills because they have a whole department of grills and be like backyard department like patios because homeboy his friend was sitting in a patio chair was real it, comfortable it was it a patio chair i thought he had was like in like a lounge chair because like he was like, i think oh. it was i think it was a patio chair it was a patio chair okay well that makes sense because remember it had like the she was creeping behind the little umbrella you're right that you have for your patio you're right you're right and instead of flirting like a normal person she buys grills <laughs> Um, she, she already bought her boxy off of him, and now she's buying a big old five burner grill, which somehow she got home when she doesn't have a car. The car. So I I don't know how did she get the grill home because those things are difficult to move. Questions the questions because ain't no ain't no bus person finna let you drag a grill onto the bus. However, however, in the town that I am from, I we have had people move multiple mattresses on the public transit. <laughs> so it's not impossible. And I'm not talking like a twin. I mean like full on, full size or queen size mattresses on the X2. If you're ever, <laughs> if you're, if you're, you, PC, you live heard in of the ghetto. <laughs> you know, heard of, X, of the X2, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen the pictures. It's happened multiple <laughs> times. Multiple times. So maybe in New Orleans, things are different. Maybe people move grills on the trolley or on buses. I don't know. I'm not, no judgment. But it's suspects, <laughs> is all I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, so she gives so she flirts by buying grills, but they I I personally think they're kind of cute and dorky together. Like I think they play against what we know them to be very well in that scene. They both look like shy dorks, and I bought it. I bought it, and I wanted I wanted them to be together. Yeah, um, the khakis like up to his belly button, and we know. 
you know, if you've ever seen LL Cool J like in his prime being a rapper, that's not how high his pants has ever been. I actually, I actually, <laughs> in his met, life. I actually met him once when I was like eight. Well, I was like eight years old. We were at some random ass thing, and it was like it was like an office conference room. Like it was that wow. random. And I'm like standing in the crowd, and my aunt taps me on my shoulder. She's like, "Don't freak out, but you're standing next to LL Cool J." I would have lost my shit. He was my very, first, he was my very first crush, like my celebrity crush. Aww. To this day, I still see LL Cool J and I go, mm. <laughs> I couldn't have been, I couldn't have been like higher than his knee because I'm, I'm still short and I was even shorter then. But like he was like right there, looming next to me with the, with the hat on, with one leg rolled up. <laughs> So, so yeah, yeah, that's like late 90s, mm -hmm. late 90s song, yeah. Uh -huh. It was like right after, um, what was that TV show he had, In the House? You're right, it was, was like, in the house. It was like right when that like had first came out and it was doing really well. And like, I guess he was just like taking whatever he could do to like promo it. So he went to all kinds of random shit. Well, he was at this <laughs> random shit that I was at, not knowing what I was doing, but I got to meet a little cool J. So anyways. LL Cool J playing against type. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving forward. Okay. So they we see them together. We know they like each other. It's very clear they like each other, but they're too dorky to do anything but buy girls and sell girls. Um, and then we move on. We see Georgia in her actual element at work. Once again, um, she's feeding people. Um, she's feeding this little pack of old senior citizens. Um, and like she's really caring for them. And then Sean comes stealing food. And it's like, why did you buy a girl when you could have just fed him? And he would clearly be in love with you because you feed people. People love you. Um, yeah. But instead, she knocks herself out. And he carries her belaboredly so unnecessary they did not have to have him puffing and puffing like that to this clinic that is attached to a department store a full-on like almost hospital that has a ct machine somehow i like even if this was supposed to be like based on like old school department stores that just had everything which i'm willing to accept a full-on department for having like basically a hospital, like almost a free clinic yes. attached to it. it. It took me a while to realize that it was apparently attached to it because I'm like, did the boss just meet them at the hospital? He carried her out. No, it's attached to the department store and like questions. Which is but why move on to the summary. Yes. <laughs> which is why, which is why, you know. Her boss, who apparently like bullies her as well as like most of the world, um, is the only reason that he's going to give her the CT machine CT scan is because you know he's afraid of a lawsuit because she hurt herself at work, um, and she goes in and she discovers that she has some kind of tumor or something that says she's going to die like in a couple of weeks. That's all she has left. She's going to die. And as somebody who's been putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off, just has a book of everything that she's been putting off, she realizes that, you know, her whole life has just been about waiting and now she has no more time to wait. Um, and as any normal person would do, she flips out, um, <laughs> sells off 
all of her bonds and her stocks, cashes in her IRA, um, takes that money and just decides she's going to do the one thing that she wants to do the most, which is go to the Czech Republic and <laughs> and meet the chef of the chef of her dreams that she's always wanted to study with because his food always looks amazing. He's this amazing five star chef. Um, and then that's where the movie that's when the movie really essentially takes off and starts becoming a movie. Um, she gets to the Czech Republic. You know, she has her encounters along the way where, you know, she's standing up for herself and she's spending lavishly. You know, she gets on the plane and some guy wants to move his seat all the way back. And she's like, screw that. I'll pay for the upgraded first class seat and I'll get my fancy dinner, which still I'm confused how many people fly to the Czech Republic on, on Christmas Day, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> she gets her fancy meal in first class. She gets off the plane. She doesn't want to take a car, which is going to take forever. She just says, I'm going to pay for the helicopter. I'll get there like that. She gets to the hotel. They're like, your room isn't ready. She's like, throw some more money at it. I'm going to get the presidential suite, the $4,000 a night presidential suite. You know, and she's like, oh, okay, that's it. That doesn't matter. Just here's money. She's throwing money at problems. And I think it's the fantasy that everybody has to just be able to yeah. throw money at every problem they have and just not care. And not just that. Like, it, it is that kind of idea of if I'm going to die, I am going to die in style. Like, I have, like, a due date of when I'm out out this bitch so you know what why am i saving all this money because i can't take it with me so mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna eat all the stuff that i wanted to eat i'm gonna wear the clothes i always wanted to wear um i'm gonna say whatever because like uh, what are you gonna do to me <laughs> i'm gonna be dead in three weeks like uh like the whole incident later after she's tried to learn how to ski and he's like lady you're gonna be in court for two years she was like that's all right with me baby because she's <laughs> like who you gonna sue i'm gonna be dead i mean and this really is the beginning and end of her storyline because yeah. the rest of the movie is really about uh her boss craigan trying to find find out who the hell she is how is she affording this hotel and is she a spy yeah. So and just like just like Melissa said, like it stops being her movie after this first scene when she's in when she gets this room and all of a sudden she stops being the center of action and she actually no not there. That's not when she stops becoming being the center of action because that's when she starts to pick up looks. She goes and she, you know, she gets her, her makeover and then she goes to dinner. And when she walks into dinner, yep. that's when she stops being the center of action. And all the action starts being about, you know, people's reaction to her. So, so what, what, what's the line that starts that, Allie? <laughs> <laughs> the line, the line at 39 minutes, 
<laughs> in 40 seconds. Did you look that up after we talked? <laughs> I did. I wrote it down. 39 minutes and 40 seconds. Giancarlo Esposito turns and goes, hello, sister. And I swear to God, I can't take it. I want to know if he did that under duress. His commitment to that line is just so out of character for the, for the rest of the character. Don't get me wrong. He does get a little bit creepy in the scene after the dinner scene. but Oh, he was, he was way too close in the spa. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. He, he, he's he, way too close in the spa. He looked like she was naked and he was all up on her. Yeah, and she was getting closer and closer to the wall and he just kept getting closer like it it I, I also had like uh some reservations with that because I'm mm -hmm. like no wonder Craigan and his side chick thinks something is going on. He all up like whispering in her ear, like, yeah. dude, I need you to calm down. Yeah. Calm the hell down. Yeah. So okay, so but but at dinner, she meets, um, she decides, you know, she's living her best life. So she's ordering all the food. And that's when she attracts the attention of Chef GDA, who's like, oh, somebody's ordering all my delicious food and they're not asking for any substitutions at all. That's that's all I've ever wanted. I must meet this woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I must meet this human being. Um, and so he goes out and they're laughing and carrying on, attracting the attention of all the diners, especially Cragen, who's like, Wait, I thought the chef doesn't come out to see anybody. But here he is at this woman's table, this woman who's attracting all this attention and everybody's just saying she must be rich. Who is she? And then he becomes so determined to find out who she is and destroy her because somehow her living her best life is harming him. Um, and yeah, this is when it becomes more about Cragen and what he needs and what he wants. Because base jumping and snowboarding and getting all yeah. the spa treatments and standing up for all the employees. And then we get to the end where, you know, she's won all this money and she realizes she just, she should probably go home because she needs to be with the one person she truly loves, um, who is currently winging his way to her because he <laughs> discovers that she is dying and he just needs to be by her side in the Czech Republic. So he's on his one man journey to get to her. And she kind he, of he finds out in the greatest HIPAA violation ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, is, it is a very awesome HIPAA violation where he jacks up this doctor up against the wall and literally shakes the news out of him. So he gets to the Czech Republic. He wants to cross this avalanche that is stopping him from going up the mountain. The car won't go. So he gets out and he decides he's going to hike to the other yes. side of the avalanche, um, which I'm sure. <laughs> and she's on the other side realizing she can't leave. You know, she spent all this money on a helicopter to the hotel. She cannot request a helicopter to leave the hotel. It's only going to the hotel. You know what? I, for a helicopter, I never thought about anything. that, but you are absolutely correct. She could have just taken it because she had just won 100K. So she can take that ride back. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, yeah, she fin finishes summer. She finishes summary <laughs> so we can really get into this movie. <laughs> 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 so 
so she goes back to the hotel and decides that she's going to help with the big fancy end of the year New Year's Eve dinner. And Chef Didier um, is comparing her to turnips, essentially, and saying that she's lovely, but people overlook it because she's common, whatever. I mean, backhanded compliment, I guess. Um, and then we get to dinner where everybody's applauding her for how lovely she is and helping to make the meal. And then Cragen's crazy ass decides that he's going to kill himself because of this, because everybody loves her. So he should jump off the side of the hotel because that makes sense. Um, and they come to Georgia to solve the problem not calling, you know, a shrink or something. No, they go to Georgia. Georgia, who apparently thinks she's going to die, and now everybody knows it, they go to her to solve the problem of Cragen wanting to jump off the side of the building. Um, and she goes because she's our heroine, and she's a lovely person, and she literally talks him down. And then when she gets downstairs, oh, no. she's there still on she the finds freaking out. ledge when she finds out she's going to live. Oh, that's right. That's right. She find that's right. She's still on the she's still on the ledge, and that's when she finds out because the he doctor faxes, faxes the hotel. The hotel um, can't call. Can't call. Faxes the hotel to say that she is going to live. And it would be one thing if they sent the fax because it was private but the fax wasn't going to be private it was very public and it fell, it just fell randomly on the floor like, so and gunther just happens to be walking by the floor ballet of the hotel yeah happens to walk by sees it picks it up reads it and then runs upstairs with it but by then la kujay is spilling his heart out saying i love you i want to spend the next five minutes with you or the next 50 years you know which is sweet and then she just her head out and said, you're going to live. <laughs> you're going to live. And then we get the epilogue where she has yeah. restaurants. Yes, she has her restaurant and she's eating. And that's the sum of the movie. Yes. And it sounds romantic, does it not? <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, I think that somewhere in there is a romance. <laughs> much you think this isn't in it. Well, he's in a romantic comedy from start to finish. He is. He's in a romantic comedy at times. <laughs> Gerard Depardieu, Chef mm -hmm. DDA, he's in a romantic comedy. Um, it's just she is just essentially living her life and just doing her damnedest to live her life the way she needs to live it. And it's more about her becoming everybody else is sort of in romantic comedies. Kragen isn't in a romantic comedy. He is one Like, I don't know what movie her. he was in. It's like, because it wasn't a murder mystery because no one dies. Like, some noir <laughs> thing where, you know, the bad guy is the center or he, I don't know. I don't know what movie he was in. He was just a problematic white guy, pretty much. Yes, like that's literally so. his entire role, which makes so, sense. You have a black woman being happy, living her life. Who, but will come along than a white problematic old guy, like to just say, you know what, you don't deserve this because I deserve it, and that's literally his only role in the entire movie. But they let it suck up so much yeah. oxygen; it actually has 
an arc to it that is damn near outside mm-hmm. of who should be our main character, which is Georgia Bird, Queen Latifah. Like, she might as well be in his movie instead of the other way around. And for the, for that center part of the movie, she so. is. You know, we're constantly checking in with we're constantly checking in with Cragen to see how he feels about things, how he feels about her. He's researching her. Um, and it's not, it's more than just in the, here's a movie yes. going sort of way check-in. It's, it's, he is really the I mean, main driving point of that part of the movie. Important. <laughs> because without him, there wouldn't be much mm-hmm. thrust to this movie. There will be no big for our people because yeah, what her love interest is doing to get to her. She has decided he found out that she died. All Georgia is doing, which, you know, I'd love to see after the first 15 minutes, and I'm tired of her life, especially after being in quarantine. That feels like a quarantine life prior to quarantine. And so, mm-hmm. but like, there will be nothing happening because she will be getting a makeover. She would be eating all the things she wanted to eat. She partially falling in love with DDA. And then all of a sudden she gets a diag- uh, gets to know she got mixed diagnosed and she can live her life the way she's been living for the past, what, week or what is it? How long is she there? Like five days. She's there five, well, she's there seven days because she leaves on Christmas day, Christmas day and she's there on Christmas Eve and there's seven days between them. New Year's Eve. Essentially. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, that's week. literally the thrust of her story. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, and I know that sounds horrible, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. Yeah. But what happens on the other side of that, Cragen uh, uh, sends his side chick to, find, to, to pump her for information, to find out things about her. When that doesn't work, he uh, bribes the floor valet to find out information about her. He talks to two members of Congress, one of congressmen, uh, and one is Georgia's local senator in uh, Louisiana. Like, he's doing all these things to Mm. propel the story forward. And Georgia is just eating and shopping, which is great in real life. Mm -hmm. As far as the movie is concerned, that (laughs) it really... It really upsets me because, like, you know, after I looked at this mo- movie critically, I'm like, there's this movie gets by on charm, which I'm happy about because I'm going to watch this movie until the day I die. But, like, what can you really learn from something like this? Because I would literally tell people to watch this movie. This mm-hmm. is everything you shouldn't do <laughs> as far as writing is concerned. Mm-hmm. So... I think the reason, so the biggest thing, reason why I think people look at it and think it's a romantic comedy, or at least feel that it's a romantic comedy, is because we get that beginning where she, where she's clearly in love with LL, and we get that ending where he's clearly in love with her, and they're going to spend the rest of their life together. But what carries along those feelings from end to end is the fact that we're watching everybody fall in love with her. And so we get that feeling, the feeling of this is why he loves her. This is why he's traveling across an ocean um, and 
you know, hiking across avalanches to get to her because everybody meets her and everybody loves her. And I saw this uh, tweet from Kenya Gory Bell earlier today where she was like, normalized black women being loved by everyone. And if this is definitely a movie where that's very, very clear, everybody loves her and you can't help but love her. And that feeling of loving her carries you through the fact that there is no true romantic love interest there with her. The romantic love interest is at the beginning and he's at the end. So watching everybody else fall in love with her helps you feel like it is a romantic comedy, but it's not really a romantic comedy. It's not. It's not like, about the uh, I think. I can't remember if I counted it, but I think they have three to four scenes together and the entire 90 minute, however long run of the movie, they have maybe three to four scenes. Yeah. And the first, first scene is really, we get a flash of mm-hmm. his face and the creepy binder of love. Like <laughs> The creepy binder of love, her possibility, but no creepy binder of love, which she yep. remember she stole his employee of the month photo for, and he wasn't creeped out by that. Like he was, he found it touching. It made sense to him because I guess I, he hit at some point. Maybe he did the same. Stole her employee of the month, like the one month <laughs> he got it. Sure, because let's be honest, she was getting employee mm-hmm. of the month every month. Of course, of course. I I just he thought he didn't think it was creepy. He he actually liked it. If I had seen that though. I would have just pushed the book away and said, maybe it's for the best, <laughs> but not for Sean. Sean is getting on a plane. Sean is spending money. He is getting on a plane. After he's, he's pretty much just quit her. his That's job to go find her. Up. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, yeah, this movie falls apart once you yeah. start to really look at it. It really does. And I love it anyway, <laughs> but it's not but, romantic. Like, not none is since in the sense of if I were to take this and make it a romance book, you reviewers will Mm -hmm. ream your ass. You're telling me this entire book, they only had three to four scenes together. That's it. You get like maybe one chapter and like the epilogue and like half the the entire romance. That's it. That's all you would get. They would (laughs) would hunt you down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they would staple the ebook to your door like, <laughs> like Martin Luther. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not. And I was so ready to be like, yes, this is why it's a romance and romantic. I mean, because it is funny. It hits all the comedy points, especially when they're being dorky dorks with each other. Mm -hmm. Like that is cute and amusing. And her and her moments, she has uh, like every time she's with DDA, like it's always slightly weird, but funny because she's that kind of dorky dork person with everything. She's just being herself 100%. And, but that's like, that doesn't make a romance. Yeah. And if we were fixing this movie, if we were going to really make it a romantic comedy, absolutely, PDA would be her love interest. You know, 
he he's he's bald and probably the real romance would be in her realizing that this is yes. love this is true love somebody who is more who is interested in her and sure has this common interest and they're both really interested yep. in cooking and they they vibe together and they have like they're in concert together and they they produce something yes. even more amazing together that would have been the real not just that romantic he says how there. he feels about her in that moment he doesn't beat around the bush to mm -hmm. say it. I mean, because he's having fun with her and being mm -hmm. open with her before he finds out she's going to die. Like, it's just has more impact. It's more emotional when he finds out right before, like, while they're cooking together. Uh, but it's like, at no point does mm -hmm. he not say, I appreciate you. Um, let's make some jokes together. Like, he has... It's a it would be a beautiful arc if this was the romance. And that that would actually put her in a romantic comedy and also give yes. her something to do other than just be awesome <laughs> on a accidentally snowboard. awesome on a snowboard. Yes, accidentally awesome on a snowboard. <laughs> all the best stories are. Um that answered a big question. Do you <laughs> think it's the romantic comedy? Um I would also say the structure is yeah is kind of broken because she isn't at the heart of what is the motivation. Like she has none other than uh, mm -hmm. have fun before I die, which that's more reactionary than proactive. And it's Cragen who is proactive. Mm -hmm. So like the structure is broken. It's hard to uh, mark out the turning points here in this movie because you have such a, a hard divide. I mean, and honestly to do it, you would have to have three point of views. It will be hers. It will be LL Cool J's and it will be Cragen's. Then you might get a full story arc, but if you just do hers, you are just the pooch is screwed. So you end up with like a lot of stuff going on in the movie. Um, as it is now, there's a lot going on, but you are clearly missing the, you're, it, to distract you from the fact that the heroine, the center of the movie is so light on her own because her, I mean, if we're gonna be honest, her true, she, she, her true arc is when she gets to that plane. That's when she's yep. decided to take back her life you know, she, she's decided to get on the plane. She's decided she's going to go to the Czech Republic. You know, that that's that's her making a choice. She, but when she gets on the plane and she decides to stand up for herself there and I'm just going to do and go and go for it, that that's it. That's, she's hit her peak there yep. and it just plateaus until the, for the rest until of the Until like after it's she not, wins, that money and realize I just want to go home. Yeah, so she, and that's, but that's it like is. a major it third is. of the movie. And there's there's no ups and downs for her. You just see her being awesome, 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 awesome. Everybody else is experiencing like a pull and tug. You've you've got the side chick who has the bad neck because she gives too much blowjobs. Um, you've got even the senator who's like starting to like, yeah. you know, go from being creepy dude to realizing that he needs to give back more and be more respectful. The congressman and his wife are like just there. Yeah. Um, but you know, 
those other three people, they're going through it. You know, everybody in the hotel's going through it because, yeah. you know, they're, they've met her and, you know, they're taking charge of their life and she's a nice person. Yeah, she's inspired all- them. Like, uh, uh, one, one great callback is at the beginning when she, when Georgia first gets into the hotel and she looks up at the ceiling and she says, does it, you know, when you look up at the ceiling, does it ever make you cry? And in that moment, the girl kind of like glances up and like, you know, she kind of says like, no, I really never paid attention to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the end, near the end, she's just standing, the, the same girl is standing in the lobby looking at the ceiling and she's crying because she's finally looking at it. And that in itself is a small, not necessarily yeah. a part, but a nice callback to how Georgia has changed everyone's life. And it's exactly. like, but girl, could we could we have gotten that in your storyline? Like maybe <laughs> just a little longer with more thrust? Because honestly, this movie should have been 45 minutes if it just focused on Georgia. And that's yeah. a bit of a stretch. Yeah. You would, somehow- have, you would still have to add things on the back end of, to fill it out. Yeah. Which I mean, essentially what is what they did. <laughs> what everybody else's story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like I'm saying I'm saying add more scenes at least with her and LL or you know as our our ship is concerned her her and the chef. Um <laughs> <laughs> That would have been the great thing to do. That would have been the great movie, but well, that's a movie we, we don't have. Maybe, maybe they'll reboot it again. Maybe they'll remake it again. Oh God! With somebody else, and we can convince them. <sighs> <laughs> Y'all is- can't see me, but she can. She can see my stress face. I don't want a remake. Please, no. Just what? make a new no, movie. You don't want a. You don't want a third remake. Remakes are all the rage. No, they're they're probably going to remake something that ended last season. No, I'm good on remake. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. pretty little. Yeah, the pretty little liars. Pretty little liars. Yeah, they're already remaking it, which it's like, and come I, on, guys. And I could have swore it was still on air. Like I'm not even gonna lie. I'm like, how are they gonna remake that? Well, they had they had a sequel that lasted like half a season, and then nobody watched it. So, so they just decided they're going to remake Pretty Little Liars again, right? That's oh, that's, that's that, that, anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> so yeah, so that's how you fix the movie. Um, that and that's those are some of the key takeaways that you, if you were actually looking at it from a romance novel perspective, you got to center your heroine, center center your love story instead of everybody else to flesh out your story. Honestly, because you got only two real tropes, workplace romance Mm -hmm. and the makeover. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's it. There's no other tropes in it. It's definitely not. So anyways, it's not a romantic comedy. We have. I I feel personal victory for that. (laughs) You you had asked a a month ago. She was dead sure it was a romantic comedy. Romantic comedy. And I even said it. I'm not sure if I said it in all caps, but like (laughs) that was the implied 
thrust of my opinion was that it was a romantic comedy, but like I had never watched the movie with a critical eye. I had watched yeah. it in, you know, a viewer. I love Queen Latifah. I love LL Cool J. I love this mm-hmm. movie because it is, it's a very feel good movie. It's a very mm-hmm. uh, comfort watch. And I, I am going to comfort watch it a lot more times, despite yeah. the fact that I've panned the shit out the movie in this podcast. Um, but <laughs> Well, here's the thing, though, with as with all the glaring plot holes that there are, uh, with uh, all the ridiculousness that happens with lines that I would like to eat into eternity. (laughs) It's still a very fun and fulfilling movie. It is. And there you Things don't have to be perfect to be enjoyable. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, this movie gets by on charm and haven't written more than a few books like that. I'm not <laughs> going to judge someone else for doing it because they they really do ri- rely on Queen Latifah being someone you can't take your eyes off of. And I love that. I love this was a springboard for a lot of work that she went forward to do. Um, but like, critically, it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah. It's not yeah. a romance. It's only slightly romantic because the real romance is between you and Georgia. You, the viewer, and Georgia. Yes, that's where the romance is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the the second she walks into dinner in the red with her with her hair, it's the only wig that I really like that she wore in that movie. You, you oh my like, god. She's a glowing goddess. Her hair doesn't look like trash. It's like in that moment, that 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 moment is why you love this movie. Yeah, everything else can just fall away, but that moment is it's pure cinematic. Yeah, genius, and it's just it gets you, and that's why we love this movie. Yeah, because right. I mean, we get to see someone who had it hard, who mm-hmm. who was mousy and and wore like kind of you know fugly stuff that covered her up. I mean, now we're getting like a, the nice hint of cleavage. We're getting shoulders. Mm-hmm. Her head's held up high. I mean, her skirts flow. Like, this is the stuff that she wanted her to wear. You know? Mm-hmm. And you're happy that she's getting the chance to have her Cinderella makeover. Yeah. And especially when you have somebody who clearly took care of everybody. Constantly and this, taking care of everybody. And still taking care of everybody, even while she's there. Like, she was mm-hmm. supposed to relax because there's the the scene where, you know, the your neck hurts because you do too many blowjobs scene. Um, is She's supposed to sit there and relax. But she's hearing this wretched girl who is the side piece, like, yelling at the masseuse. Mm-hmm. And Georgia gets from where is she is relaxing, butt naked and nothing but a sheet. And she said, you don't talk to people like that. You don't, you know, and she gathers her. She's still mm-hmm. taking care of people. Because, because that's who she is. Yeah. And it's nice to see the really purely good person win. Yes. Yes. And she literally wins by betting 17 three times in a row. <laughs> On the roulette table, which I think we all know is statistically impossible, but that's that's what you that. But it like, was it this was, movie. But it was her mama's birthday. Love. It was her mama's it birthday. Was. It was her mama's birthday. It was her favorite number. It 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 won her. And so, if you think about it, her mama's money. She sold her mama's bond. Her mama's money got her to check for public, and her mama rewarded her 
and she got to the Czech Republic for living her best life. Black so, women are the only ones who have your back. That's really the, the core of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In a, in a different world, in a different world, they would have seated the dead mom a little bit more as the kind of the mystical horse in a different in a different movie. In a different movie. But, I mean, there's a whole lot missing from this movie. Like, there's not mm -hmm. a lot of real backstory. So where is her dad? Mm -hmm. Like, he's just, I don't even recall him being mentioned. In no, this we never see the dad. We barely see the sister who apparently wanted to be a country singer. A black country um, singer. We know how that went down. Like, it didn't go well <laughs> for that poor girl. And she was good, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> like, what do we know about Sean other than he's cute and dorky and he likes sports? I mean... And he likes her food. And he likes her food. Apparently, that's enough to do a romance on. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, like, we... got some teenagers. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have some flashbacks? <laughs> I know I was in love with him people. <laughs> that was enough. Like, oh, he hits a baseball. Look how, look how, look how the light shines on his brown eyes. Oh my God. I want to marry him. But like, yeah, it's just, it's just not enough for romance and it's not enough. It's barely enough to establish character if they had not opened it the way they did, where they show yeah. you every little bit of what she does. She uses coupons, even for her lean cuisines. Um, she feeds her neighbor. Like she, I still don't know whose car that is, but she takes care of people's cars that are her neighbor's car just because mm -hmm. it's parked right there and she saw that it had a few smudges. Um, mm -hmm. She's uh, very uh, religious, you know, mm -hmm. she talks through God throughout the movie. Um, but like in the beginning, like you're getting all these little seeds of character and that's why you care about her have winning at the end. Because mm -hmm. otherwise it's just, I don't know what this movie thought it was. Well, We'll never know. We know, we know that it's not a romantic comedy. Um, we know that we love it. We know that we love it. And the two important facts. <laughs> That's all that matters. Okay. Well, that was the last holiday. All right. Thanks, thanks for tuning in for us to, for us to trash your favorite movie. You're welcome. Come back next round two. <laughs> so, Melissa, what what do you have going on right now? Well, I am currently planning a book I, I'm going to write in like a week. Uh, that should go well for me. It's going to be a, a, a bodyguard and a baker. It'll make sense. I promise. It'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> this is a part of your Twitter made me do it series, right? <laughs> Twitter made me do it series. Like, you know, since the last one did really well, Grumpy Jake, I figure I should try it again. Uh, recapture that magic. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's probably going to have a plot like a last holiday where you just watch people have fun anyway but if you want to read something that's out and ready uh you can uh read charming scottish bastard uh the seventh book in my under the kilt series uh he's hot she's uh cautious they bang happily ever after <laughs> and that's all we care about <laughs> that's all we need yes yes <laughs> two, two hot people banging 
I mean, honestly, I mean, that's my whole backlist, which you can find at www.themelissablue.com. There you go. I got it in that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can also find her at Mel the gr- Mel underscore the great. Yeah. yeah. On um, Twitter. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this all over again. And let's cross our fingers that the fucker recorded all the way. <laughs> fingers for co- cause. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. And that was the first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had a lot of fun talking to Melissa about last holiday. One note, early on in the episode, Melissa and I mentioned a movie starring Hugh Jackman. At the time, I mistakenly called it Paperback Romance, which coincidentally is a completely different Australian movie that features a romance novelist lying about their identity. The movie we were talking about is actually called Paperback Hero, which I'm sure you can find out there streaming somewhere. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you'll come back next week and be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.